Welcome to the Creative Agency Account Manager podcast with me, Jenny Plant from Account Management Skills Training. I'm on a mission to help those in agency client service keep and grow those existing client relationships so your agency business can thrive. Welcome to episode 92. Today's episode is for you if you're curious to know how an SEO strategy agency is using AI tools to reduce the amount of repetitive, tedious tasks and free up the team to work on more of the strategic thinking for their clients. Dale Bertrand joins me today and he shares with me how AI tools have reduced his team's workload and improved general efficiencies. He also shares a step-by-step breakdown of his internal automated workflow. He shares why creating predictive models might end up being your agency's secret source and what he looks for now when hiring new team members and lots, lots more. So I think you're going to enjoy this chat and hopefully come away with some inspiration to look more closely at your internal processes to see where you can perhaps speed them up or eliminate them altogether. So let's go over to the introduction now. So today I'm excited to welcome Dale Bertrand to the show. Now, Dale is the founder and president of Fire and Spark, an SEO strategy agency focused on conversion based in Boston. Dale holds a BS and an MS in electrical engineering from Brown University with a focus on AI and computer engineering. So he applies his knowledge of AI to digital marketing. So not only has he worked as a digital strategist for Fortune 500 companies and venture-backed startups for over two decades, he's also a trainer and speaker at marketing industry conferences on the topic of AI and digital marketing. So I'm really excited to get into some questions for Dale and his thoughts for where AI is going, particularly as it relates to what we do as agencies. Dale, first question, right? In addition to founding your own agency, you're obviously speaking at all of these events and delivering AI training. So could you share with us the key topics you cover in your teachings and who you are primarily addressing when you're talking about these AI and digital marketing? Yeah, there's a lot there. It's important to put it into context just with my agency journey because I started doing freelancing and then building my agency in 2008. And around then was when we had a platform shift from the desktop web to mobile. And a lot of things changed. And we've been working on SEO because we're an SEO agency. We do SEO strategy. So we've been working on SEO for a long time. And that has changed many, many times over the last 15 years that I've been doing SEO. So I'm thinking of the AI revolution that we're in the middle of right now. In that context, it's another platform change. If you work in digital marketing as an agency, your job is to keep up with the changes in the industry. So a lot of what I'm talking about at my keynotes and uh, conference workshops uh, really has to do with putting the technology into perspective. Like how should we approach it? Uh, Making sure that marketers understand the capabilities and then also agency owners and leaders at agencies understand how to introduce these technologies properly to their team so that the team doesn't feel threatened that they're going to be replaced by AI. And then also the team feels empowered to apply the technology to automate or enhance in the right areas, in the areas that would help them to do better work and get more done. What I love about at my agency, how we've implemented the tools 
is that we're automating tedious work. This is work that our staff came to us and said, we would love to get this off our plate so that we can do the stuff that we love. And that has really made more time for the creative work that my team enjoys. And that's really the way we're thinking about it. And then when you have these tools automating a lot of your marketing ops, what ends up happening with the humans at your agency is that they're responsible for generating more insights, more ideas for campaigns, more things to try. And those things to try, some of them will actually work. So when you're operating in this mode where I can come up with an idea for a campaign, a piece of content, a cold email that we're going to send out for biz dev purposes, when I come up with an idea, we can implement it quickly. So I need more ideas to feed this machine, but that's the fun part of the job. So we really want to make sure that we're applying these tools in the right way. Fantastic. So there's probably some SEO agencies listening in thinking, Dale's managed to automate tasks to free his team up to do the thinking, creativity and insights. Can you give us some examples of what the tasks are that you've automated to give the listeners some ideas of how they could if they haven't already yeah, started using AI. It's so much because, I mean, we run accounts, we work with clients, so uh, we want to be able to generate insights on a daily basis for different client accounts, looking at the data that's generated from the campaigns, and then also their website, their content performance. So we've automated the process of, we have bots that run that will put, drop an email in my drafts folder, my account manager's drafts folder, that's uh, basically to a client about something that we noticed. And we have the opportunity, like I could delete it because it's no good, or I could press send on it because this is something my client should know about, or I can make some revisions and then press send. But that is the type of thing that we simply didn't do for the most part before we had these tools. So a lot of times um, when we're thinking about these tools, we're thinking how I can get my current work done faster. I can generate more articles for my blog than I had in the past. But um, I really want to think in terms of capabilities that are new. Like what is it that you're not doing that you should be doing? And now because it's so much easier with these tools, you can do it. Another example is we're often investigating a change in organic traffic to a website. It might be a drop. It might be a shift from one section of the website to another. On very large websites, it can be hard to figure out, well, what is the pattern here? Why are they losing traffic? And we can use tools to basically look at data coming from Google Analytics and then also Search Console and then also SEMrush to understand why they're seeing a shift in traffic. And that boils down to something like, well, you're no longer authoritative for these types of topics or this type of content on your website is no longer ranking. And then there's so many things there. And that's the type of thing that I used to do, take me hours to figure it out, write up a report. And man, have we cut that time. I mean, that's just, so I do coaching for like agency owners. So one of the agencies that I work with there in London, I presented this exact use case and how I do it to their founder. And he said, Dale, you just reduce my workload by 20 hours. Like you cut my workload in half by showing me how to use these tools. And I was like, holy crap. But that's what we're seeing too. Like our goal is like, we can get a 4X improvement in terms of productivity. And then how do we spend that extra time? We spend that extra time, folks at my agency, coming up with more creative ideas, coming up with more things to try. And then also doing things we didn't used to do before. I'll give you another example there. Like there was a time that we have an SEO methodology that we call purpose-driven SEO. 
It's all about like us working with purpose-driven brands and then using their purpose to build their authority and their organic traffic. So what we did to promote that was we did interviews with marketers at purpose-driven brands. And it, it worked out great. It was a lot of fun. We got you know, eyeballs on it, leads for the agency. So it was good. The problem was like it took so much time. Jenny is because you have to find the guests. You have to research the guests, figure out what the questions are going to be, do a little a pre-conversation. And then you produce the actual interview like you and I are doing right now, live recording. And then afterwards, it's like, all right, turn that into content, send it out. It was so much work that we decided, ah, we don't think the ROI is there just because of so much work behind it, even though we really enjoyed it and we were getting leads from it. So fast forward to today, and we are seriously considering restarting that campaign because we can automate the research, inviting interviewees, like writing some questions, and then the back end when we're promoting all the content from it. That stuff is automatable now. So tell me, are these tools that you're using available to anyone or have you somehow, with your knowledge of AI, got some kind of bespoke program that you're using? So the way to think about it is that there are a number of like platforms that allow you to do different things, like large language model like GPT-4. There's a lot you can do with that. And then a, a pinecone database where you can give it text articles that you've written or articles that our clients have written, and then it'll pull the information you need when you're prompting your LLM. And then there's other tools like ML tools, auto ML tools that allow you to basically uh, spin up prediction models. So when I'm uh, choosing keywords that I want to target, I want keywords that I know this particular client can rank for. So I'll have a prediction model that predicts you know, how easy it will be to rank based on data that we've gathered for that particular client or for clients in that same industry going after similar keywords. So that's a prediction model, a um, machine learning prediction model. And then there are also like mass personalization uh, components. So and I'll give you an example of that. For mass personalization, as an example, uh, when I first started using it, I took all the emails that a friend of mine had sent me. He runs an agency. And what the database does is it takes those emails and it generates observations about that individual. So for this particular individual, my friend Justin, it said he's a parent, he's an agency owner, he's a programmer, and then a whole long list of preferences for him. And these are a whole long list of observations about Justin. So then what that allows me to do is when I'm sending him any correspondence, it might be an invite to one of my events or our newsletter or solo email that I send out to my list. We can personalize it based on those observations. So we would give some copy or a template to an LLM like GPT-4 with the observations for this individual, and it'll customize like two sentences at the top, and then it could also curate the actual links or content pieces that go in the email, if that's the type of email that you're sending, based on the observations from that individual. And you can build those observations from any text correspondence. So it could be emails, it could be chat logs, that sort of thing. So your question was about, well, how are we orchestrating all of this? So we have these base level components, the LLM, the prediction model, the preferences database, and then also this semantic similarity search database that we can put content in. And then we can orchestrate it in a number of different ways. You can do it in a Google sheet and just make calls out to these things to grab the information you need to run a prompt and give you the response. Maybe the response is a bunch of article titles or something like that. Or the response out to your prediction engine might be grading keywords on their ranking potential, something like that. But we do that orchestration of all those components in either a spreadsheet 
more in Zapier. I, I prefer make.com, very similar to Zapier. And, and also I have a programming background. So there are some automations that are written in Python and you can use AI tools to help you write that, which is crazy nowadays. But that's how I'm thinking about it. The base model layer that we're using to implement these AI automation workflows, and then the tool that sits on top of it that is orchestrating any one particular automation. So how many other agencies are actually that sophisticated? Because what you've just described, those four key elements, you're obviously very experienced with AI. And I'm sure for you, it's a lot easier to sort of navigate to get those four components working together and then orchestrating this whole flow automatically. But in your experience of delivering these conference speeches, how many people, other agencies, for example, have got it so dialed in? I think I've met several that are headed in that direction. So I attended Marketing AI Conference last week in Cleveland, a great conference for anybody listening who really wants to dive into the world of AI. And what I was surprised about is like 99% of the people there were just getting started, like they were just playing around with ChatGPT. And I did meet a dozen folks who were pretty advanced, which is awesome. If there are any advanced folks listening to this, reach out to me because I'd love to network with more folks that are doing advanced stuff, anything beyond just ChatGPT. I met one agency that really impressed me because they had recently hired a full-time AI automation specialist. And I thought my agency was the only one. Like we have a full-time uh, person on my staff who's responsible for AI automation. So what we have her doing is talking to people on the team about what they do, what's tedious that they would love to automate. I'm teaching her what I know about the, the base models and then also the orchestration layer that sits on top of it. Another thing that she's doing, our in-house AI automation specialist, is she's looking at all of the training that we have. Like we have a ton of training for our staff in-house and going through it and saying, okay, this step could be automated this way. This step could be automated that way, just so that we have an understanding of where the opportunities are. Now, once you understand what the capabilities are, it, there's really like a, a switch that flips in your head because it just becomes so clear to you what the creative work is, the work that requires real human deep thought and inspiration, and then the work that is more just doing. It's either really tedious or it's moving things around that a human just doesn't need to do. And any time that you spend as a marketer or business person, entrepreneur, on the doing side, the stuff that can be automated just really hurts. What have you found have been the biggest barriers to people? Because I mean, I know what I've been hearing, but I'd love to hear it from you because you're absolutely right. I mean, this sounds like either something that agencies can do themselves, i.e. audit the tasks you're doing, find out where your team are spending time on tedious tasks, as you say, yeah. or you hire someone whose dedicated role is to do that, to go through the whole system and processes of your agency, identify it coordinate it and then focus on automation, which seems to me, I mean, I suppose I've got multiple questions. How difficult is it to find someone with that skill set currently? Uh, well, they don't really exist because this is all pretty new. So the woman on my team, I mean, I'm training her on everything that I know. And then I'm working with a few agencies, helping them do it. So that's a great learning opportunity for them and learning opportunity for me and for my in-house AI specialist. Yeah, I think like really what it comes down to is now at, at this moment in time, you just really want to hire people who are predisposed to be curious about AI and what it can accomplish and shy away from people who, for whatever reason, are predisposed to avoiding the new technology. 
We saw the same thing when it came to digital. So if you were a marketer um, working in marketing around the time that digital became a thing, so I'm thinking like early 2000s, there were some marketers that said, I'm not making the switch. I'm going to do everything traditional marketing. I'm not going to worry about online UTM codes. Like That's just not what I want to do as a marketer. And I'm going to ride this out until my career is over. And I think somewhere around 2010, 2015, those people retired. <laughs> the, the transition to AI is so much deeper, so much broader, so much quicker. It's not like AI is not going to put your agency out of business, but an AI first agency is going to put your agency out of business. So when I talk to agency owners, I just say like, hey, you got to figure out what does it mean to you to become an AI first agency? And that means something different to every single agency. You know, there's some agencies out there that are doing brand strategy work and then others that are are doing paid advertising online or SEO strategy like we do. Like it's just different for every agency. I've got a clear idea of what it looks like for our agency to be AI first. And I have to say, like, we have an absolutely incredible team. We're 25 people here in Boston. I gave, this was, how long ago was this? This was the beginning of the year in January. I did a presentation to everybody. I said, here's the capabilities of AI. We're really going to dive into this stuff. We're going to try to make ourselves two times as productive over the course of 2023. And we're on our way. And I said, who wants to join the AI task force, right? And everybody raised their hand. And so we've had a systematic exploration of different use cases. Like how do we use it for keyword research? How do we use it uh, to identify a traffic drop or diagnose a traffic drop? How do we use it to help us build proposals and respond to RFPs? Like we've got a list of a hundred different passing use cases and we prioritize them by impact. So if we were to automate this or make it better, because when I say automate, people think, oh, this thing will now take less time. So much more than that. Like if we were twice as productive, we're still going to have the same headcount, but my people are going to be doing more awesome work. Like my account managers are like freaking smart because otherwise we wouldn't have hired them. And then also they're doing excellent work for some global brands. So what I would love to do is free them up to help us generate more content on the content side of our business. A lot of people talk about everybody writes until you got full load of clients and it's like, all right, how do I write? So that's something that I've been thinking about. I'd love to make the folks on our team more productive and then have them help out on the marketing side of the business. That would just be a win-win for everybody. It sounds totally doable as well. I mean, and I can see from your enthusiasm, I'm sure that is translated to the team as well. So, and that's why they're like, I want to be on the task force. So I've got two key questions because in my experience, having recently run a webinar for agencies called AI for Account Managers, one of the big themes that was coming through from people listening in was what about privacy? Like currently, particularly the likes of ChatGPT, whilst you can put it in privacy mode, do we trust that that's not going to then share information? So on the one hand, I totally understand if things are out in the public domain and it's published data and you're looking at either summarizing pieces or utilizing the data that's already been out there, fine. But what about the inputs from anything that you know about clients' information? I mean, what's your view on maintaining privacy so you don't get into trouble? Yeah, the important thing there is that you're going to be using, or, or at least at Fire and Spark, we're using a number of different components. So LLMs like, like GPT and GPT-4, the database I told you about, prediction models, personalization engine, and each of those components guarantees a different level of confidentiality. 
So if you're using the free version of ChatGPT on day one when they launched it, the reason why they launched it was to help them improve their model. So read into that, that they're using the information you're giving it to train their model. And you have to be careful about that. That's why people are concerned. That's why you're asking the question. But now that there's so many more models out there, it's really a matter of choosing components that offer the level of confidentiality and security that you need for the work that you're doing and your contractual obligations to your clients. But there are versions of all of this stuff that is confidential. And would you say that, because I know what it's like going through terms and conditions, they go on forever and it's very small type. I mean, is the average layperson that's working in an agency really able to judge that or should they seek legal advice? Because the stakes are high, aren't they, at the moment? Because we're early into this and as yet lawsuits, for example, we've already seen some book authors who are trying to take the likes of OpenAI to court around, you know, they've used their books as training material for their models. So it's kind of up in the air a little bit, Dale, isn't it? It feels like the wild, wild west yeah. in terms of there are things we're doing today that we don't know if we'll be able to do tomorrow. We don't know if they will be legal to do tomorrow. And we're not sure if they're legal today. So we're in this situation where we know these tools are incredibly powerful. We don't want to be left behind. So we need to be learning them and understanding their capabilities. But at the same time, the legal frameworks around these models have yet to be fleshed out and probably take another year to like really flesh that out. So agency owners need to think about what is your policy. And this could be five bullet points around how we protect client information, um, how we honor contracts and obligations around confidentiality to clients that we're working with. And I think the best way to go about that would be to, you could go online and search for basically AI guidelines that a number of governments and institutions, I know the Mayo Clinic came out with one, New York City has one for its employees. There's another one, the city of Boston has one. And it's just basically one page of guidelines on how to use these tools. And for agencies right now, what I would recommend is just staying away from using tools that are going to end up training their models on your client's data. Like that's the big thing that you want to stay away from. I'm not a lawyer, so check with your lawyer, but there's less of a legal risk that like anything you produce with AI is going to like open up legal liability. That's kind of, I couldn't imagine that happening. Like what's going to happen is there's going to be a legal fight between the tech companies that are making the models and then publishers. And I'm sure the tech companies will end up paying the publishers something. But also the other thing that I want to point out is that there's an assumption buried in your question that like what we're using is generative AI tools, but there's predictive AI tools and there's also AI tools that allow for personalization and there's AI tools that allow for automation. So the legal complications there will be different. So it's not like when we're using like prediction or automation use cases, we're not going to get sued because we published some content that was generated by a model that was trained on somebody else's content. It's really a different use case. And I just want to point out that a lot of the way I'm using these tools, even when I'm generating text and content from it, is I'm pointing the tools to something that we've already written and we're repurposing and we're telling the large language model, don't use any information that's not in this ebook that I wrote, something like that. And there's still the possibility of some legal complications there. So everybody should kind of think through your own exposure around what you're doing, but there's less likelihood that 
we would release something that's plagiarized. And then obviously, like you want to run a plagiarism checker on everything, which we've always done when we work with writers. Okay, that's really good advice. And for those listening that is looking for someone to steer them, I had Sharon Torek on their podcast last week, and she's someone who's out there speaking about AI and the legal implications. So I'll put some details in the show notes. Dale, let's go back to your orchestration and this automation predictability model that you've created for Fire and Spark. If there's an agency owner listening, thinking that is super smart, I need to be doing that. Will Dale help me? Is that something that you can go and train other agencies on? Or is that proprietary to what you're doing in your agency? Oh, I'd be happy to talk to agency owners and at least point them in the right direction. There's a number of tools that we're using that I'm happy to share and show people how we've done the high-level orchestration and the results. I mean, in one of my workshops, we show like personalized cold outreach emails and how, you know, one campaign we were sending a cold outreach email that was kind of a template, mail merge style template with a 1% positive response rate. And then when we started personalizing them, 19% positive response rate, which is like through the roof. I mean, that, that's insane. So yeah, I'd be happy to talk to folks. And it's fun for me to understand like what type of AI implementation would be most impactful for your particular agency, for your team, for the work that you do for your clients and then point you in the right direction in terms of tools that you should look at. Fantastic. Well, that's great. We'll put your details in the show notes at the end. So what can you foresee happening over the next five years, particularly as it relates to AI changing the SEO game? Stuff is going to get real because there's so many variables. Like we don't know the extent to which these tools are going to get even better. I mean, oh my God, like they've gotten so much better just over the last year. Imagine five years from now. And the truth is, we don't know. We know they're going to get better, but are we going to have super smart AGI, which is artificial general intelligence that starts telling us what to do? I mean, that's an actual possibility. I think it's unlikely, but it's an actual possibility that we could end up there in the next five years. When it comes to agencies, like they're always going to be companies with money that need advice, need people to run their campaigns that need experts that understand what they're doing, understand these channels, understand these tools and can apply their learnings to their business. Like, so that is always going to be a thing. But what I envision is that the line between agency and client is going to change. And we don't really know yet, but you can think about the world of SEO strategy where there are more and more things that the clients can do on their own. They're still going to need the highest level strategy from us. And we've always focused on strategy rather than implementation. But the type of advice we're giving could definitely change. And I always want to make sure that I'm highlighting there will be new capabilities. And give you a good example here. Like it's possible for agencies like mine and the agencies listening to this presentation, it's possible to create predictive models that are your secret sauce. That you like, let's say, for example, like one of the agencies I'm working with, I mean, they focus on the education vertical. So they have the opportunity using AI tools to use the data that they're generating as a part of their campaigns, all targeted in this one vertical to create a prediction model, a model that predicts the right topics that will perform, how to write content that will convert, what offers to send out to students and parents in the education space that are working. That's a closed loop prediction model. And because that agency is focused on working with clients in that vertical, they have access to data that's proprietary 
And they can go to the market when they're doing their business development and say, we've built this predictive model. Here's our case study showing how it accelerates enrollment or engagement with content, whatever it is. So a lot of agencies should be looking at building that type of predictive model as a secret sauce for their agency. I'm aware of three that I could think of that are doing it um, with a number of different ways to do it with our agency. But I think that is how agencies are going to build a moat around their business because it's access to that type of data. And the more specialized you are, which would be either like horizontally for us, that's SEO strategy, or if you're vertically positioned in a particular industry, like the more specialized you are, the more you can generate that niche proprietary data that you can use to train up a prediction model that would be proprietary to your business and really set you apart. And if someone's listening to this and thinking, well, that's me, I am vertically positioned and I could do that. Are the tools available right now? And if so, where's the starting point? Yeah, no, no, they are. The starting point, what what I hesitate to do is send people like straight to a tool because the answer to this question isn't really a tool because there are many of them. Like this stuff is easy now. It used to be hard. (laughs) I spent the summer when I was a student, like building out an ML model for the US government, for the Department of Defense. That took a summer. Now you can import a spreadsheet into a tool and it's going to use AutoML to find the right algorithm, build the model, and then you have access to it. So it's just so much easier now. But what you want to do is you really want to think about what prediction problem is, what data you have, how you want to present that data, and then what exactly it is that you're going to end up predicting. And I'm happy to have that conversation with people who want to move in that direction. But the work is really in understanding the capabilities, making sure you have enough data, making sure that you have the right data, which is basically the right columns in a spreadsheet. And then you feed it to one of many tools that can help you do this. But that data, presumably, Again, is it data that you've collected from working with clients and therefore is that a little bit risky or is it the data that you are using that's been externally generated that's already kind of out there in the public domain, like for a lay person like me? It is all of the above. Okay. It it is data. So you could imagine trying to figure out like a use case would be, imagine you're working in a particular vertical and you're running Google ads campaigns. And you're interested in understanding, well, what types of keywords could I bid on that would convert? If you have a lot of data, for example, the search terms report in Google Ads, that will have a search terms column, which is a bunch of keywords. And it'll have another column around like the number of conversions that those keywords have generated on your website. You could build a prediction model from there. And what that prediction model would do is grade additional keywords. So anytime you're thinking about targeting a keyword in one of your Google Ads campaigns, you could run it through that prediction model and they'll say, well, based on its similarity to other keywords that either converted really well or didn't convert at all, here's how well the prediction model expects that these keywords would convert. But that's conversion. And staying on this example of like keywords, there are other attributes of keywords we care about, which would be like how well they might rank when it comes to SEO. So if you have the right data, that could be data that's coming from search console accounts. That's where you would want to make sure that in your client contracts, people understand what you're doing. Or it could be data that is coming from, and you're more publicly available from like SEMrush or something like that, where you would have less of a concern contractually. Okay. When you start to think about it that way, there are thousands and thousands of different data sets. We, I talked to a client yesterday, um, they're in the real estate niche, and we talked about some real estate, like publicly available government data 
that they can use to build a prediction model. So there's just so much out there that possibilities. And then another client, so I'm advising a, a startup in the insurance space and insurance is highly regulated. So there's a lot of data out there. So there's a possibility there. And then yesterday I talked to an agency, their brain strategy agency. And what they wanted to do was when they start working with a client, look at all of the deals that the client has won or lost over the last two years, and then grab data on every single one of those businesses. And you grab that data from LinkedIn, put that into a spreadsheet, and the spreadsheet will have basically deals we won, deals we lost, and here's all of the information about those companies, and then use AI to find correlations, like correlations around who was the contact at the company, how big was the deal size, what did they want, what industry were they in, how big was the company, all that kind of stuff. And it's just easier now to use AI tools that can find those correlations for you and identify patterns and features in the data that you may or may not be able to find as a human. Very, very interesting. That was fascinating. And I'm sure a lot of people are taking note of this, building your own proprietary predictive model that specializes in your niche. What other tips do you have for agencies to prepare them for what's coming? Yeah, I mean, I'm always thinking about new services that you can offer that just weren't possible before this. And the prediction models is kind of part of that. Another one is services around mass personalization. It depends on what your agency does. But if you're an email agency, like you need to figure out how you're doing mass personalization because that's like the first and easiest way. But I talked to an agency that was doing text message. So they're doing SMS marketing and they're just getting started with mass personalization for SMS messages. Yeah, there's a lot there. Okay, I'm going to go back one step. Because SEO agencies are based on ranking on Google usually, isn't it? I mean, I know there are other search engines, but Google is the big one. You can tell I'm a lay person talking like this. But in the future, do you see that Google's going to be the first point of search? I mean, obviously it dominates at the moment. You know, it's become a verb, Google it. But in the future, with all of this AI technology, where, for example, you're on ChatGPT4, you ask it a question and it will give you some links to sites. Yes, yes. Do you see in the future that people are going to be initiating search on Google as much as we have been used to? So there's so many pieces to that question. The first thing is that Google is a trillion dollar company. They will do everything within their power to maintain their market dominance. And that's so that they can maintain the cash volcano that is their search advertising business. So they will do what they need to do to maintain that business. But what we don't know is what does organic search look like when they do what they need to do to maintain that business. I believe that they will roll out something very similar to this generative search experience that all of us have probably seen. That's what you're describing, Jenny. But I don't think they're going to make it default. That's the big thing that we're trying to figure out. Like, is it going to be a tool people can use if they go out and look for it? Or is it going to be the default experience when you type google.com? That's what we don't know. But what I believe is they're not going to want to make it default unless they have to. And I don't think they have to. I think they want to maintain the status quo as much as possible. That's why they were behind OpenAI and Microsoft and Bing for a short period of time. It's going to take years for that to play out. And I mean, like two or three years for that to play out, not months. So we've got this weird disconnect where the technology is moving very, very quickly. Google invented the technology, by the way. But actually rolling it out to consumers, especially in the search engine, and then changing consumer search behavior, that's going to be very, very sticky and very, very slow. So 
the way I'm looking at SEO going forward, I mean, I run an SEO agency. I expect to be doing SEO 10 years from now. So that's super important. We look at SEO as basically generating conversion sales and revenue from high intent searches. If you're paying for it, it's paid search. If you're not paying for it, it's organic search. As search engines evolve, there will be different techniques and we're staying ahead of it by identifying those strategies to basically win customers, win sales from organic search. But the thing we don't want to forget is the reason why organic search has been so powerful for so long is that there's intent behind those searches. So if I'm going to Google as my primary way, regardless of what Google looks like in the future, if I'm going to Google as my primary way to find vendors for whatever service that I'm looking for or products that I'm looking to buy, that is super valuable. And whoever can stay on top of the SEO game, even as the search engines evolve, is going to have like valuable, valuable services to offer, or it could be a brand that's figured it out. So we're committed to figuring it out as those changes happen. And I don't expect that it's going to change as radically as it could. And it's going to take a while. Okay, fair enough. Thank you so much for answering that question. Dale, this has been super, super valuable. Are there any parting words of advice for agency owners and also the account managers that are working in the agencies? I think like the AI tools that we talked about for agencies can be super powerful. And what I would recommend agency owners do is commit to becoming an AI first agency, whatever that means for you. It doesn't mean you need to go to grad school. It doesn't mean you need to stop doing the work that you love and you enjoy and somehow automate it. What it means is just trying to figure out what your relationship with this technology is going to be and then embracing the parts of it that do make sense for the use cases that do make sense for you. And that can be so powerful in so many ways. Building out proprietary services, automating work that you'd rather not do, coming up with creative ideas, testing more of your creative ideas, like going live and shipping more of your creative ideas. Like that's an exciting future. That's not a scary future when you really understand the capabilities of the tools. And anybody who's interested, like like I said before, like I love having these conversations. So definitely reach out to me. Happy to talk. And where is the best place to people to reach you and who particularly would you like to hear from? Well, so agency leaders, agency owners who are thinking about how to apply these tools to their particular situation. That's a really fun conversation because I can point people in the right direction. And feel free to email me directly. So I'm Dale, D-A-L-E, at fireandspark.com, all spelled out. So feel free to email me directly or connect to me, Dale Bertrand on LinkedIn. I'm happy to have those conversations. Amazing. Dale, thank you so much for your time. We'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Dale and have come away with inspiration to explore some more AI tools. I'm now sharing examples of relevant AI tools that account managers can use for those who come on my account accelerator training program. The training is designed to help those in agency client service at every level to have a more systematic and predictable approach to account growth. The client-centric learning outcomes include being more consultative with clients, adding more value proactively, and having sales conversations without feeling salesy. So if you or a member of your team is interested to find out more, all of the details about the nine-week account accelerator program, as well as my shorter one-week account booster program, are on my website, accountmanagementskills.com. I look forward to speaking to you again on the next one.